And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It is a Friday payoff edition. Once again, I have made a bet, and I have lost that bet, and now I must pay up. But this one, we, we had some interesting twists getting here. I chose Oklahoma State last week. My co-host Ari Wasserman chose Texas. The Longhorns won, so I lost, and that means that I must pay up. Now, this, we decided, was going to be a kind of a choose-your-own-adventure, and we were going to have the listeners choose what I did, and we did get some good suggestions. We had, we had one listener suggest that I eat a giant bag of marshmallows while we record the podcast. We had one listener suggest that I do the entire podcast with my feet in a bucket of worms. That's uh, Tate Casey, former Florida tight end and now uh, analyst for the uh, Florida Radio Network. And also, we had someone suggest that I take the Albert Hainsworth conditioning test that Mike Shanahan gave him when he was trying to cut him, which I have no idea if I could pass or not. But, Ari, you were the one who suggested what we ultimately wound up deciding on because we had a conversation on Wednesday and you brought it up and I was like, Ooh, we got to try that. You said You said you had a friend who tried to eat 100 Chick-fil-A nuggets at once and failed. And I said, I think I can do that. And he, you said, I'm not so sure if you can. So we now sit with a tray of 120 Chick-fil-A nuggets, and we're going to see if I can. Yeah, the one thing I've learned about uh, our bets is that you always not only complete the bet, but then you showboat at the end. That's like your MO. So if you get the 120, that's showboating. My friend is Doug Maurice of uh, Cleveland.com, and we used to work together. And, you know, having traveled with him for years and, you know, the other – uh, traveling partner, Bill Landis, we've eaten quite a bit on the road and have gone to different places. And when you're eating Chick-fil-A, you feel like everybody gets a side of nuggets. If you don't, then there's something wrong with you. Like, you know, whatever the meal is, then a side of nuggets. When you're eating the nuggets, they're so light, they're lightly breaded, they're not heavy. And you feel like, God, I could eat a lot of these. And I think such is the case with everything. Once you get past the enjoyment of it, I think it's going to get pretty miserable pretty fast. But as I want to remind everybody, and I, as I was thinking about the number I gave you uh, of 100 earlier in the week, I, rem- I was reminded of your performance in Phoenix before the Fiesta Bowl at Chompy's, where you ate four brisket challah sliders, a whole challah! tray of French fries, then went on to eat a mile-high corned beef sandwich on rye bread. And when I say mile-high, like it's like a legit sandwich and another full order of fries. And I think there was even something else in there that you ate, like coleslaw or something else. And then you like... It wasn't coleslaw. <laughs> we, we know that. <laughs> it wasn't coleslaw. There was one other thing. I, somebody got an appetizer. Co- Stu got an appetizer. A afterwards or, or a something. cookie yeah. or something. And then you like burped and like giggled and were like, all right, let's go cover the Fiesta Bowl. And I'm like, if I ate that, I would have been done for the day. I don't even know how you got on that shuttle and went all the way out to Glen- Glendale and covered that game. Um, so like I thought maybe 100 you'd be able to do and now you do 120 and now we've got charity involved. I'm not doubting you. I think you're going to enjoy it for the most part, but I think at the end, even if you can complete it, you're going to feel like crap. You think I'm going to hate it. Okay. Well, so we did decide to add a little further twist to it on Wednesday. I was thinking about, cause I mean, this is, we're in a pandemic. 
people are struggling. It, it's not a great time. You know, finances are tight in a lot of places. I thought this is too gluttonous to just do, to just, I'm going to eat a hundred nuggets. It's, it's a little bit silly. So we decided that I'm going to pledge a dollar a nugget to St. Jude. Uh, and then I said, you know, anybody else, if you've got a little cash to spare, pledge a few cents a nugget and, and do it to the charity of your choice, whatever, whatever you want. And I got to say the response already has been overwhelming. There have been, uh, Dozens of people who have already donated money. Some some have said, "You're I know you're going to finish, so I've already donated the money." Uh, great charities. We got United Way. We've got the American Red Cross. Uh, there's a charity out in Texas that does equine therapy for for injured veterans and first responders and for kids. Uh, there's just a, a couple different food banks. Uh, Greg Byrne, the athletic director at Alabama, is donating to a food bank in Alabama. Uh, our friend Dan Rubenstein from the Solid Verbal is donating fo- to a food bank in Chicago. Uh, it's just really cool to see everybody get involved. And, and I, I'm glad that we're, we're going to get some good out of this because as much as I am going to enjoy eating 100 nuggets or 120 nuggets or however many is on this tray, I'm glad we're, we're doing something with that too. Okay, well, I want you to know that for every nugget that you eat, I'm going to donate a dollar. And if you get to a hundred, I'm going to do a $50 bonus. And if you get all 120, I'll do a $75 bonus. And I'm going to give it to the food bank of Southern California. They've got some homeless issues out there and it's a, you know, food banks in general are a good place to do it. And it just, you know, I'm going to help out. And cause this is an eating challenge. I thought it was appropriate to donate to a food bank. Um, Absolutely. So Doug Maurice. The person who did this the last time did it in my living room, and I think he got to 60 or 70 and cashed. The one piece of advice I'm going to give you as we continue on to the show is take it easy on the sauce because I think that's going to upset your stomach. I think that the more – or I think you should eat them and enjoy them at the beginning, and then if you need the sauce to power through at the end, then try it. But if you go with the sauce at the beginning, I think you're going to hate it more. Well, I have Polynesian sauce. I have no idea if I'm going to wind up using it. It's, it's here if I need it. Yeah. But if it's an emergency, it's, it's better than taking it yeah. the first bite with it. So I am going to get started. So yeah. you'll be able to see this on the video, but we have our nugget cam in our zoom meeting. One, one camera is focused completely on the nugget. So you will see me pulling each one. I, I'm going to try to keep the best count I can. I have no idea if this is 120 or 118 or 123. My guess is at Chick-fil-A, they're not counting them out individually. That's why they do small, medium, and large catering trays. So uh, we will try to count as best we can because obviously there there are dollar amounts riding on this. And uh, if I go over 100, because I, I already did my St. Jude donation, I've got to, I owe St. Jude some more money too. So we, we, we got to get this figured out. You uh, did what now to prepare for this? Tell okay, people, so, so to, like, what's your stomach to at? Pre- to prepare. So I, I do the intermittent fasting, so I don't eat breakfast anyway. I usually go to lunchtime before I eat. So today I did a lot of <laughs> a heavy workout. I did a, a CrossFit workout called the one arm bandit. It's a, it's a dumbbell workout. Uh, and then I ran three miles on the treadmill. Then I had to do a radio hit. And after that, I went and ran seven more miles outside. So 10 miles run and then a weight workout. And I have eaten one peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I broke my 18 hour fast with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich at about 1230. And I had a lot of water throughout the day. So my stomach should be in, in a pretty good space. It shouldn't be like super shrunken. Peanut not, butter was a bold like strategy. one of shrunken heads. I, I had to think this through. So yeah, you didn't. I, I think this is going to work. But, I, but it's interesting because the further I go without eating, I'm wondering. But I'm getting that kind of I haven't eaten much headache 
So I think I'll actually feel better once I start. So eating. are you starving right now and ready? Or like those look great to you right now? They smell amazing. They uh, when I was driving home with them, I just uh, it it smelled. Did you put the so seatbelt around the bag? <laughs> floorboard, <laughs> Ari. Floorboard. We can't we can't have them flying off the seat. So. Nothing, nothing to love. There's no better definition of love than putting a pizza or fast food on your uh, driver's side uh, seat, leaning over across and pulling the strap over and buckling it in because we can't have anything happen to that food. Okay, so, so we'll talk uh, by about the way. Fo- Go ahead. Yeah, but, uh, we we will talk about football. And by the way, a, a Power Five head coach texted me today and said Godspeed, and then included a picture of his lunch. And he's having Chick Fil A. He's got like two sandwiches and a twelve piece nugget. This is not a big guy. This coach, I don't know where he puts it all. But so we got a lot of folks that are, that are paying attention and and watching. But yes, we are going to talk football while I do this, and I'm going to try not to chew into the mic because I. I, when I was doing daily radio, I, I was hosting with, with my friend Jason Horowitz, and I love Jason to death, but that man would eat potato chips right into the mic during breaks. Yeah, and that it. is the most, it's, it's worse than, you know, if you ever watched Dumb and Dumber when they talk about the most annoying sound ever, <laughs> chewing potato chips into the mic on a, like a real radio mic when people have real radio headphones on is the worst yeah, sound in the do world. It, do it for me, if not for them, because I have to look at you doing it too, so... Um, but I know that you'll be responsible I will try to keep my mouth away from the mic as I chew. But so, I'm going to get started. Okay. This you, is Nugget. Nugget one. Numero uno. And I guess like now, unfortunately for the listeners, I'm going to have to dominate talking the most because you're going to have chicken in your mouth the entire show. Probably. See? Yeah. Okay. Um, this is just going to be great. You got to talk, Ari. I'm, I'm freezing up right now. I don't know what to do. No. Uh, so do you want to go right into the lines? Yeah, let's do it. There's some pretty interesting lines, and we can start wherever you want. Maybe, I mean, maybe we should start with the Pac-12 since they're actually opening things up this week. Yeah, well, you sent enough lines to do a three-hour show, so I think we, we should get right into it. Um, I wanted to make sure I ate all the nuggets. Yeah, well, did you, like, juice it for time? Uh, 45 minutes, you're going to you, – I think the faster you go, the, the better off you're going to be. But, um, oh, absolutely. I think the first – Place to stop uh, here would probably be Arizona State at USC. That might be one of the most uh, exciting games uh, of the week. Um, USC is at home laying 10.5, and, and this uh, game is going to determine, I think, who wins the Pac-12 South in week one. <laughs> I don't know if that's too much to kind of open up with here, but you know, Slovis and Daniels, those are two really great quarterbacks. Arizona State lost a lot. USC, Clay Helton, I think, is in a weird position right now where they, they need to show that they're, they're worthy in the Pac-12, and you know, I, I got to say that two scores here, a lot of people are high on Arizona State. I don't know which side I would absolutely lean on, but I think USC seems like the right side here, Andy. It seems so, a little low. I don't know. I don't know who this is I, I, because we don't know who Arizona State's going to be. We saw them last year. Jane Daniels is a true freshman. Very young offensive line. My man, Ladarius Henderson, starting as a 17-year-old left tackle in the Pac-12. I think they're going to be better at Arizona State than they were last year. And remember, they beat Oregon last year. The question is, are they going to be better right out of the gate? And where's USC going to be? This is a good USC team. The pressure on Clay Helton is obviously a lot bigger than the pressure on Herm Edwards right now. There is no pressure on Herm Edwards. He's still kind of the darling. We feel like he's he's revitalized that program, even though the, the results, for the most part, haven't been that different from Todd Graham. This is the kind of game that would change that. If you know that you add beating USC to open the season. By the way, at 9 a.m. local time, be at noon Eastern, with the 
the B crew of Fox's Big Noon Saturday because the A crew is out because of COVID. But this would be a huge win for Arizona State and a devastating loss for USA. I don't know that it decides the Pac-12 South because because honestly, I don't know what Utah is going to be. I know they're rebuilding a little bit, but I, I still think Kyle Whittingham has built a program that can have some continuity. So I don't, I'm not going to just hand the Pac-12 title to whoever wins, wins this game. I think I am. I uh, <laughs> I think I am. I think that USC, I read a stat somewhere, or I saw a stat or heard it. I don't know where I heard it, but like USC in general, I think it's something like 25 or 30 and four against the Pac-12 South in the last five years. And all the struggles that they've had as a, as a team and a program have come in like non-conference games and some tough outings against the Pac-12 North crossover. And, you know, really these are the games that they've won. Right. They, they beat Utah last year when Khalil Tate was going crazy for Arizona. That train stopped at the Coliseum. You know, that was derailed there. So you're right. They they do seem to handle their business within their division. Yeah. And if Arizona State is the biggest um, roadblock for them, you know, it just kind of seems to me that you you win that game at home early on in the year, people start to feel good about themselves. And in a, in a shortened season, if that's the biggest roadblock that you have, you know, put yourself in a position to do that. And I think everybody in the world is rooting for the Pac-12 championship game to be SC and, and Oregon. I mean, those are the two teams right now that are – the only two teams in the Pac-12 that are ranking in the top 15 in the talent composite rankings. and I don't know. I think a lot of people are rooting for that Elmo gif where he's got his hands up and there's fire behind him. Yeah. Right? And, and that would <laughs> well, mean that would mean, that mean USC's not doing well. Or USC's actually playing and it's a home game. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's not a funny joke, I guess, because California's on fire. But um, it, it looks like um, you know these are going to be the two teams. So I don't really know exactly, Andy, how much – stock I can put into Arizona State being actually good when Arizona State is the 30th most talented team in college football and only has, I think, 79 scholarship players who are in the rankings. And I don't know if that's but like... But you know op- USC has underachieved with its talent. I do. We, we've established that. Yeah, this is, I mean... This is not a case... It's not Ohio State. It's not It's not Alabama. It's not Georgia. It's not Clemson where the results have been commensurate with the USC recruiting. has underperformed in relation to their talent when you compare them to those teams. But if you compare them to the teams that are... You know, 10, 11, 12, 13, like USC's in the same general range as Texas A&M, Oregon, Penn State, Auburn, Tennessee. Like those are all very similarly performing teams. The reason why you said what you said, and I think it's important to mention, is that USC, I think, was in the top five last year. And then that was when they were in the Alabama, Ohio State range. But their talent has dropped off significantly after a terrible but they, They're also significantly ahead of the rest of their division. Right. right. Oregon no, they, has, has surpassed them now, but USC's still ahead of the rest of the South. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that the results in the field have shown that. You know, I mean as much as it's been hard to watch them fall from the Pete Carroll grace, they haven't been a dumpster fire in the sense that they're losing five or six games every year. They're just not doing what they their end of the bargain in terms of like holding the Pac-12 up, but it's always been their responsibility to make the conference good, and I think that Oregon is probably another game that we're going to get to here is the team that's probably in in best position right now to actually put the Pac-12 back in the playoff. USC's never gone. Let's get Oregon into position now because you have Stanford at Oregon. Oregon is an 11 and a half point favorite. Oregon probably hit as hard as anybody by defections and opt outs. Uh, obviously, Penny Sewell is the, the biggest name that they lose, but they really, I mean, defensively are a different defense than they would have been had this been a normal season. Yeah, I don't really know what happened. Uh, 
to Stanford, but it's just they're not very competitive anymore. And, you know, I know the fact that Oregon's lost a ton of, of talent and stuff, but to me, uh, isn't the biggest question for Oregon right now whether or not Mario Cristobal can put it together on the field? Um, I know that that's kind of the narrative, at least uh, from the Oregon fan standpoint of, well, things are going well. They're recruiting well. They're a top 15 most talented team. Their style of offense bodes well for their opponents in the Pac-12. Now they're about to sign a top five class and, and the best class in Oregon history. And it's like now is the time or at least the year before the time where they have a roster that's able to run through the big the, the Pac-12 and actually make it. And I think Oregon is a beneficiary of not having to play Ohio State this year. Um, and I don't know what we stand on the Pac-12 and how many games they're playing and whether or not that's enough to make it the playoff spot. But I think there's a very good chance right now that Oregon, who's a what is that, eleven and a half point favorite, is yeah. is going to run through Stanford. And you know, I don't know. Is, there, is Stanford's defense isn't as good as it used to be? They don't have the players anymore. We, we don't know what Stanford is either. I mean, you keep thinking, okay, this is going to be the bounce back year, and then it's not. And you wonder if there there is some staff upheaval. Obviously, Mike Bloomgren was an upheaval. He left to be the head coach of Rice, but then the the they had the situation with the strength coach, and you know, it's just it's a different. It's a different vibe. You don't you don't get the vibe of they're going to pound on you anymore. It just feels like there's a bunch of smart guys and you know the the foot the level of football is sort of appropriate. And they were playing way above where you thought they'd be able to to do it given their academic standards, but I, I just I don't know. I don't know when they come back or or if they come back. It's it's hard to tell. But I I got to I got to say right now, Ari, I been plowing through these. I know. I, I, I didn't want to say anything, but it looked like you were having three or four a minute. These are delicious. Absolutely. I'm eating them one at a time because I, I, I give it up on counting because I do want to talk about football. And so if I try to count and talk about football, it's not going to work. We have it on video. We have my hand grabbing each nugget. So we'll be able to have an accurate count for you it's guys. It's called film breakdown. Absolutely. Absolutely. And listen, I, I am maintaining gap integrity. I am maintaining my eye discipline. I have not gone for the sauce yet. I feel like the sauce is a is a last resort. And it's interesting. I was less hungry when I started than I am now because I hadn't eaten very much. I told you I was kind of getting that I haven't eaten headache. The more I eat, the better I feel. Cameron Molina, our producer, says you've had 24. Now that's 25. He's been counting. All so right. You've got to, so that helps. How is your stomach? Or is it, have you even put a dent in it yet? I feel great. Like I said, I feel hungrier now than when I started. Okay, that's great. I've got to pop... I've got a pop quiz for you right now. Who do you think is more talented without looking, according to the recruiting rankings in the roster, Stanford or Arizona State? Stanford. How many spots Five ahead do you think if you had to guess? Difference. If Arizona State's 30, just off the top of your head. 11. That's perfect. They're 20. That's 10. But I didn't – that kind of surprises me a little bit. And they have It two- doesn't because Stanford made themselves the destination – for smart, good offensive linemen. And offensive linemen are the smartest, best-looking people on the football field. So they got a lot of good blue-chip yeah, offensive linemen. They do, and they've lost two uh, NFL first-round picks, potentially, to the to the opt-out. So I don't know how – and at Stanford, that's a significant thing to lose when you lose two of them, especially – was it Walker Little, the, the five-star prospect that they had on the offensive lines not playing this year? That's going to be tough for them. Um, I like Oregon. I like Oregon to come out quickly and make a statement. And, you know, it's funny because we just done the two most important or the most exciting Pac-12 games. And I want to lay the points on both because I've, I'm kind of a dreamer. I like to like hope that there is a uh, conference 
uh, uniformity in terms of teams that are able to potentially make uh, the playoff discussion more entertaining. So I don't know what your stance is on whether or not six games or seven games is enough for the champion, but I, I think it's enough. Um, in a weird year, I think we just have to embrace the fact that not everybody's going to play the same amount of games or the same schedule. And I just think that like the eye test is going to be a thing. And if Oregon comes out and rocks rocks the the rest of the conference, wins the the Pac-12, goes undefeated, and and beats USC in the in the Pac-12 championship, that's every bit as important to me as anything that anybody else would have done outside of the SEC. But you know, whatever. I mean, I don't want the SEC people coming for my mentions right now. But I think that there's a spot there for the Pac-12 if they earn it. SEC people get in Ari's mentions, although I think if Cincinnati keeps smashing people, that they should be considered as well. Would you and, take and, Cincinnati? And they are. Would you take an undefeated Cincinnati team that blows through their schedule over a undefeated Pac-12 champion in that same scenario? Not an undefeated one, but a one-loss one. Yeah, well, I think yeah, I, th- I think that would be an interesting discussion. The point is, is that if you're going to penalize the the penalty for pe- the Pac-12 not playing a, a full season, shouldn't be that they didn't play enough games, so they're out of contention. I think that the penalty if you want to phrase it that way, should be uh, no margin of error for losing. But if you go undefeated, then you I go think undefeated. That's fair. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And especially if you go undefeated and you dominate. Like, let's say, or because let's be honest, Oregon's the team that would probably do that if that happened. If they did that, if, or they, SC. if they blew through their schedule, uh, yeah, or SC, if, if they blew through their schedule and they had like one close game the entire season, then absolutely. I, I feel like that's pretty good. Oh, by the way, one game we will not be talking about, in the Pac-12, Washington Cal has been canceled. Already, yeah, already. That's tough. Because what do you do in that conference when that happens? I was I talking to Jesse Temple Nothing. on the Big Football Show, and it's just like, what do these teams do? I mean, it's just you. You just like we always say, right? Just do the best you can. That's and right. it sucks. It sucks, but that's just the world. No, I mean, you you made your bet on August 11th. You didn't have to make a decision then. But you decided then, and you wanted wanted to be better people than everybody else, and and you know look like you were heroes. And now this is this is where you are. So you're fueling the SEC people up right now. You're doing it again. You're, you're the you're, ACC and the Big Twelve made the same decision. No, I know, but the SEC people are the ones that get the most fired up about it. Well, guess what? Their league handled it right. The it other did. ones didn't. No, I agree. You I know, agree if, completely. If if you were if you were acting on principle and you were the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, you're not playing right now. If if you postponed out of principle, you're not playing right now. You're playing right now because you saw them playing and you felt bad. Yeah, That's no, I happened. agree. And then you put yourself in a position where you don't have a margin of error. And now it sucks because a team like Wisconsin that might have otherwise been a very entertaining team to follow this year behind a very uh, exciting new quarterback now might not even be in contention for any discussion because there's no margin of error. There's no ability to reschedule games. There's no open weeks and there's nothing that you can do about it. It just sucks. And it's like, it's terrible. And now that the Wisconsin could be getting healthy enough to play next Saturday, not this Saturday, their game against Purdue got postponed this Saturday, but next Saturday they're at the, they're at the, at the whim of, or the mercy of other teams not testing too because they could they could lose right. games because the yeah, other that's, team that's the tricky part you can get out of your own situation but if somebody else and an opponent fall into one it's 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 awful and, and i feel bad for these programs because you know these players worked hard to get to this point the usc players are probably the reason the pac-12 is playing if they don't send that letter to gavin newsom i'm not sure the pac-12 is playing yeah yeah, and that's part of the reason why I feel the way I feel about Oregon and SC having a chance if they go undefeated. You know, if you lose a game, then 
all bets are off. But if you're undefeated at the end of the year, they can't take it from you because you didn't play enough games. It's just that's the reality of the situation this year. Well, as long as I mean, the thing is, if if they play five games, though, it's going to be hard. It's going to be yeah. hard for that committee to to say that. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, I, I mean, like within the within reason of the seven that they have the potential to play. You know, if you play four or five games, and what, what what am I going to do? But it just to me seems like if you remember when we first started co-hosting this podcast, or you you were so gracious to let me help co-host this on Fridays with you. I, I used to say the thing that gnawed at me the most about the potential of some conferences playing and some not playing was the lack of uniformity and like the idea that the SEC champion could be the best team in college football, but they might not have to play Ohio State or they might not have to play Oregon if those teams were good and how crappy that was. I still feel the same way, even though they're not playing the same length of schedule. And I know that it's tougher for the SEC to go undefeated. And to me, if you win the SEC and you're even a one-loss champion, you're automatically in without debate because you have that crazy schedule. It's just a different conference in terms of talent and depth, whatever it is. But like the idea that I can possibly see Alabama play Oregon, an undefeated Oregon team in the playoff makes this season feel much more normal than it would have if Oregon didn't exist. And I know that there's still a chance that Oregon might not exist if things don't go the right way in terms of mitigating the risk of the the spread of COVID. But as things stand right now, there's still hope that everybody can get involved. And I'm going to cling to that as long as I possibly can until it becomes unreasonable. I think, and I think that's perfectly reasonable. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, and it does feel more normal. I was going through these lines and looking at it, like thinking, "All right, this finally they're all playing now." Yeah, it, it's and great. And we got Maction back. I mean, it, it now it feels like everybody's involved, and there are going to be hiccups. There are going to be situations where games get get canceled, postponed. You just have to accept that. So God, I loved watching Max on Wednesday. We had like seven missed extra points. We had an onside kick to open the season. Uh, we tremendous. had a terrible turnover in the Miami Ohio game to to to, one, to beat Ball State. I, that, that game had like three terrible. Well, turnovers. if you saw the way that one ended, and you uh, took Ball State because oh. it was a pick'em, that was a pretty brutal way to lose a football game in a football. Well, and day. then and then everybody was sweating Buffalo at the end too. Yeah, that yeah. Was, that that yeah. was outstanding. People because you you could see on Twitter the people who had Buffalo. And the point, uh, Buffalo and laying the points, they're just like, oh, no, 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 no. And then incomplete in the end zone. If you're a gambler, you know this to be true, but there's no such thing as easy. Even when you think it's easy, it's always, they're always going to sweat. And every now and then you might lay 14 and have a team win by 40, like the Western Michigan game on Wednesday. But like, for the most part, (laughs) it's four quarters of buckle up action. We'll be right back with more of me trying to eat more nuggets right after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Are we going to get now to the Big Ten? Because I am so excited and I've been so excited to talk about Michigan again. I, I just, Well, I, I think we should. And uh, by the way, where are we at? I'm slowing down a little bit here, Ari. Where are you? I don't know. Cameron may have yeah. to tell us. I, I, I've been trying to. I've been accidentally grabbing two sometimes, but then I try. I put them, put the one back because I want to make sure it's only one at a time. You're so. Are you are you full or getting full? I'm slowing down. I'm not full yet. Okay, but it doesn't even. It looks like you've eaten a quarter of them. I know. I know. It's it's harder than it's, it looks, isn't it? I'm telling. I told you. I I, I don't know. It's how, very hard. How far you're going to do it? But that's still a lot of chicken. And the thing about Chick Fil A is that the thing that makes it seem easy is the fact that there's not a lot of breading on it. But the thing that makes it hard is that there's not a lot of breading on it because that means there's more chicken. But there is breading on it. That's the thing. Like, if this were the grilled nuggets, I'd be done. Like, those things go fast. But Yeah, I don't know. The grilled nuggets aren't aren't nearly as good. But, uh, but yeah, this is uh, – I don't know. My strategy may have been wrong. I may need to come in, like, eat a little more before this. Yeah, what do you got there, water? I got water. Yep. <laughs> uh, is it what? Are, like, what are you supposed to do before the eating challenge? Because during quarantine, I got into this weird uh, groove of watching eating competitions and people overeating on YouTube. And like, what do those people do when they're about to eat? I I, I don't know. I don't There's know. some people they, they who have, eat an insane amount of food if they don't yeah. pause it. And they have very scientific ways of doing it. And they're, I mean, they're freaks of nature too is another part. Well, of you're it. a I freak mean, of nature too, Andy, what you did in Phoenix. Really, though, yeah, you are. I'm just, I'm a large person. I burn a lot of calories. So that's, that's why I can eat a lot. Like those champion eaters, some of them are tiny. Yeah, no, they I just, know. They, they, they're just built different. Yeah. I, it just, it almost looks like, I don't know how their stomach doesn't rupture, but I'm sure that they have like stomach exercises or a strategy of how much water to eat or how much water not to or water to drink or how much to eat before or going in dry but i i feel like if you starve yourself going into it you get fuller faster so i don't know i'm pulling yeah, for I you think that's true that's why well that's why i ate a little bit because i figured if i eat a little bit it gets my metabolism going but that may not that may not have been the, the right call yeah or it may be that i'm not capable of this yeah i'm not a doctor but i feel like peanut butter was a poor choice on your part peanut butter is a really uh, filling food it's one sandwich so i'd normally eat like three for lunch no i know but i feel like if you have a spoonful of peanut butter even though it's not that much on a spoonful if you eat it it's actually kind of a very filling thing for like the amount of food that it actually is so i'm getting the sweats right now guys i don't know is the video of this going to be um you're going to show the nuggets, a giant tray of nuggets that's left over. So people are watching this. Are they going to be able to see how many nuggets you have left? Because you're entire like 
Yes. It looks like you've only eaten twenty five percent, and if you're if you're dying right now, then I don't know that you're going to make it. Well, here's the thing. I will kick in some more money <laughs> if I don't make it because I f- I will feel bad. Did you come in but too cocky? Is that what happened? I think so. I think I think I did. Tried to tell you, man. I and I have confidence in you. I'm sure you'll I'm sure you'll keep going. But um, as delicious as they are, it's a lot of chicken. So if you want. Well, We've only talked about one conference, so I have some faith I can yeah. keep Yeah, okay. Why don't we get into the Big Ten, and then I'll let you eat and try to gain some traction, and this is when I can um, start off like really uh, talking at people. Yeah, I can vamp for you. Okay, so I have lost one bet on this podcast. I'm 3-1 and one against you since we started bet- betting. And by the way, uh, with Casey on the other day, when you said I'm too afraid to bet with you, that was a shot, and I took that personally. Like that Michael Jordan meme, and I took that personally. Okay, Michael Jordan. Okay, because like you, you put me in a position to humiliate myself twice, and I know exactly what the spirit of this is. So, if if you want to have her back on, those are fighting words. Well, um, I hate to break this to you, I'm gonna be pretty humiliated at the rate I'm going right now. <laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, everybody is so cocky. I can do that, and then when it's time to doing it, and you eat a lot, but it's just so much chicken. And and our buddy Max Olson, I don't know if he texted you this, but he texted me. Uh, let me go find this text message. He like calculated. He was concerned about my strategies. Yeah. Well, he he texted me that mathematically, a hundred nuggets is about seven and a half sandwiches in terms of the calories. Now, I don't know if that's the same volume or what that means, but there's no bread uh, like bun. So that, I, I don't know yeah, what that means. I don't know if the bread makes that easier or harder. Yeah, thirty two hundred and fifty calories, which is less than I would have thought. And we also have to remind ourselves, too, that your tray has 20 more nuggets than we anticipated. So that's 20% of what you were originally supposed to eat, and I think that's a significant amount. So um, I don't know if Cameron is still counting for you. Um says approximately 43 five minutes ago. So you're probably uh, hovering around 50 now. And I, uh, I said that you would get to 50 enjoying it, and then the last 50 would suck. And now you're at 49. 49. 49. So, so I, I'm going to try to get over half of my original goal. I really don't want to re- revise down yet, though. Don't. don't just keep going, and then we'll worry about it at the end. Um, okay. So I also I, don't want to throw up on this podcast because that, that didn't sound so good the first time. Yeah. Well, there, if it makes you feel better, we both almost did on this podcast. So it's almost a rite of passage at this point. If anybody comes on your show and wants to talk about gambling, they better puke or they're not – get out of here. I'm going to get territorial about my ability to lay a bet. Um, but I'm 0-2 uh, betting against Michigan this year. And I thought that Michigan was not very good coming into the season. And then they beat Minnesota by a million. And then I thought to myself, holy crap, was I wrong about this team? This team might be awesome. Then I thought, I'm going to lay 20 and a half or whatever, 23 or 24, whatever the spread was last week against Michigan State. Um, And I was wrong again. And now they're laying three or three and a half, depending on what your book has, at Indiana on Saturday. And let me tell you, Andy, in the Big Ten – there has been so many conflicting results. I don't know who is good and who isn't. If you like, look at it, it. The first week, Michigan State loses to Rutgers. Then Michigan State beats Michigan. Michigan beats Minnesota. Then Minnesota loses to Maryland, which lost to. If you play this like transactional or what is it? Um, the transitive property. Transitive game. property well, yeah. game in the Big Ten so, right now. You're going to end up with everybody sucks except Ohio State. But the Big Ten is is what we thought everybody was going to be. This year, we thought it was going to be like this in every league, and it, it it really hasn't been as much. There's a little bit in the Big Twelve, maybe, but it hasn't been like that in the other leagues. I, I guess maybe Auburn 
in the SEC has been like this, but you know, the just the variability from week to week is going to be something that you got to deal with because I still don't know what Michigan is. I'm I don't know what Indiana is. I mean, Indiana beats Penn yeah. State. They go beat Rutgers, and that looked good. They they looked comfortable beating Rutgers. But I don't know what they are yet. We don't know what Rutgers is. That's the thing. Like Rutgers, everybody thinks is like supposed to be um, the worst team and laughably bad. And maybe they're just not laughably bad. And beating Michigan State wasn't as embarrassing as we thought it was. And now all the context of what we thought about the Big Ten is based on mis-evaluating Rutgers. So here's what I'm going to do, Andy. Because the first week I went in against Michigan and – I thought they were going to be um, bad, and I thought Minnesota was going to win the Big Ten West, and we both know that that's not happening anymore, especially considering the fact that Minnesota's defense looks truly awful this year in their first two games. Then the next week, I told them, told myself that Michigan is going to cover Michigan State because they're awesome, and they're going to do it again. Lose outright, and that's probably the worst loss of the Jim Harbaugh era, in my opinion. I'm not going to overreact again. I'm sticking with Michigan on the road. I think Michigan is going to beat Indiana. I think they're going to beat them by at least seven. And I don't know if this is going to be the gateway to the next bet because every time I bet on Michigan, I'm wrong, and this is when you can take advantage of me. But I don't know that I'm completely bought in to the fact that Indiana is the complete product that people are jokingly making them out to be. And there's a complete difference between winning the Penn State game the way that they did and then going and turning around and having a comfortable win against Rutgers and then doing it on a sustained level every week and winning every game. I think that they're still susceptible to the letdown. I think Michigan is still probably the second or third best team in the Big Ten, despite the fact that they got embarrassed last weekend. And I think that Michigan will go take care of business against Indiana. And I think this might be my biggest play of the week. Um, and I know we're going to start talking about Clemson and, and some of the other big games that are coming up later on in the show. But this game, to me, like the fact that Michigan's still laying points, considering the morale around these two teams, I think is a way to try to – you know, get people baited into taking the points against Indiana. I'm not falling for it. Well, I just, I'm not going to be betting with you <laughs> right now. I can tell you that <laughs> the way I'm feeling right now, I'm not inter- interested in doing another bet at the very, at this very moment, but no, I I'm with you. I think this is a prime example of the variability of the, the teams in the big 10 from week to week. And I think it would be very hard to even decide who I think is going to win this game because I don't know which of which team I'm going to see. I really don't know which Michigan team I'm going to see. I, I don't know if we've seen the real Michigan yet. You know, perhaps Michigan State just surprised them because you know it's a new coaching staff. You know, they, they've seen Tom Allen's Indiana staff. They know what they're going to do. So I, I just I don't know on this one. I will say, you, you know, you talk about the the team that's going to win the Big Ten West. So Wisconsin, we don't know at this point if they're going to play enough games to win the Big Ten West. They have to play every game left on their schedule. Six, yep. To do it, to, to, to be eligible. Could Northwestern, which is going, which is playing Nebraska, and Northwestern is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, could Northwestern be the team that wins the Big Ten West this year after just a horrific season last year? Oh, my God. I don't know, man. <laughs> they had the worst offense it's, it's in the hard, history. Right? They had the worst offense in the history of football at any level last year. And now they don't. They don't. And it's an Indiana quarterback that's saving the day. Yeah, Indiana just spreading the wealth. They got they kept their own really good quarterback and handed Peyton Ramsey off to I don't know. To I save don't Northwestern. Know. I don't know. 
This is really difficult. And, you know, I know Northwestern minus three and a half. I would take Northwestern minus three and a half against Nebraska this week. And let me say, this might be kind of a weird thing to to say, but having watched Ohio State beat Nebraska 52 to 17 or whatever the score was, and then watching Ohio State beat uh, Penn State 38-25 last week, I thought Ohio State kicked Penn State's butt worse than they kicked Nebraska's butt. And there was only a 13-point margin. Nebraska got some some things going on offense. They took what they wanted against Ohio State's defensive line. And, you know, McCaffrey and uh, Adrian Martinez, they showed some promise. I think Nebraska has a, a certain spark on offense to at least get to 20 or 21 points. And now we're putting ourselves in a position to expect Northwestern to score 24 points or 20 points, at least at this three and a half number. So do Northwestern's you feel- defense is really good, though. Yeah, no, I know it's not as good as Ohio really State's good last defense. year was a victim of that offense, but is good this year and has a better offense opposite. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 Here's the thing with the Big Ten. No matter what you say, you can make the counterpoint right now. Uh, I would lean towards Northwestern. If you think that their offense is good enough to score 24 to 27 points a game, then they have a chance to win the Big Ten West, and I think they're going to beat Nebraska this weekend. Uh, but I just don't know if, if we're disqualifying Wisconsin, that obviously gives them a much better chance, especially now that we know that Minnesota isn't what we thought it was. Um, then sure, I guess, but I still think that they're leaps and bounds worse than Wisconsin at this point. Yeah, but this is the problem. So here's another variability of the big 10 number. Michigan state at Iowa, Iowa is a six and a half point favorite. Iowa's zero and two. Mm-hmm. Like the, 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 they could be two and zero, right? The, they could be, but you've read all the Kirk Ferentz is in trouble stuff. This is this is an interesting spot because because we don't know what Michigan State is. They have lost to Rutgers and they have beaten Michigan. I think the the, the thing here is is that Rutgers is a sneaky a sneaky a top twenty team, and they're messing with all of our evaluations. <laughs> Rutgers is bad. <laughs> I think. Um, in games where I don't know who we're dealing with, Andy, I always take the points. And I think that that's backfired at times. But to me, I think the comfortable play, Lombardi hit some shots downfield against Michigan last week. I don't think Michigan sucks. I think they suck for what they should be, but they don't suck in terms of how you compare them to the rest of the team, of the conference. Um, their defense has some sneaky good athletes that were left over from the D'Antonio era. Um, and I don't think they're bad as everybody made them out to be after turning the ball over seven times against Rutgers in week one. I think they're a functional enough team to compete and sevens a lot of points for a stagnant kind of boring Iowa team. I, I think that I would take the seven in this, in this, uh, specific game. I just, I don't know. Cause this feels like, d- does Vegas know something? I don't, it does always. Absolutely. <laughs> the fact that Ohio, <laughs> that, that's true. Yeah. But then, but then you do have upsets. They happen. Yeah, sometimes. But that, that one, that one just is odd because Michigan State's performances are so varied. Now, I said on last week's Friday show, expect better out of Michigan State because how often are you going to lose five fumbles in one game? And so that wasn't wrong. You got better, but I didn't think it was going to be like that. How many fumbles do you think Ohio State would have to lose against Rutgers to lose the game? Oh, and I'm glad you brought this up because this is one of those lines that, that always fascinates me. And I never know what to say about these situations because it's Ohio State minus 38. I think Ohio State would have to lose 
six fumbles or or have six or seven. Well, okay. Michigan State had seven turnovers and it still felt like they were kind of in the game at the end. So Ohio State, I think, would have to have like eight or nine turnovers. And at that point, how many to lose or to to lose to lose? I think they'd have to turn the ball over 15 times to lose. Would they have 15 possessions to even turn it over that many times? Yeah, because I don't think that Rutgers would move the ball very far. I, I I don't know to lose the game. If that's the only thing that you could ever say to lose the game. But now I, I'm let's talk about the spread though, because 38 is huge. And Ryan day has expressed his, his admiration for Greg Schiano and, and talked about how much he learned from him when they worked together. And obviously Greg Schiano is, is pretty respected as the coach of Rutgers. This seems like one where, they will not try to embarrass Rutgers. They will do everything mm-hmm. within their power to not embarrass them. It depends on what your definish, definition of embarrass is. Is 52 to 10 embarrassing? I guess not. So that, that would cover. Here's, that would what, I, here's what I'll say about this game, Marty. Don't play it. <laughs> okay. Well, That's yeah, what I'll say. I, I don't, there, there's, there's a lot more interesting stuff down the line that we're going to talk about that, that I think you'd be much more, you'd have much more fun playing, but, but here, Here's how you analyze this game. I think no matter what you do at that number, you're going to be sweating at the end. What I think is going to happen is Ohio State will sweating be covering. Sweating like I am now from yeah. all this meat. Yeah. Meat sweats are, are the best sweats and the worst sweats, depending on the situation you're in. And my friend, you're not in a good situation. I think Ohio State will be covering the 38 at a given point in the game. I don't know if they're going to finish with 38 more points. And that's all based on whether or not Ryan Day wants to put his his foot on the pedal and keep it pushed down there and to look the part and pass the eye test. And the thing you have to consider about Ohio State is they've got two freshman quarterbacks that they want to develop, they want to get a sense for, and not only to to figure out which one of these guys is going to take over the program when Justin Fields inevitably leaves after this year, but also they learned last year what happens if you have a a banged-up quarterback and they don't have any depth. They didn't have any depth last year, and now they have two really young guys. So the question is, A, is Ryan Day going to want to embarrass or put his friend Greg Schiano in a poor position in his first year at Rutgers again? And two, how quickly into this game is Ohio State going to be eager or to want to put their backup quarterbacks in? And these are questions that you can't answer, which makes this spread a little bit scarier. But if this was the Ohio State Rutgers of 2016 or 17, they would win 72 to nothing. Like, it seems like a no-brainer to me. It's just a matter of whether or not Ohio State's going to play its full speed capacity into the middle of the third quarter or not. Well, okay, let me let me throw this at you, though. In 2020, you have to play your backup quarterback and give him quality snaps. Of course. Because because you need him ready in case you have a, a positive COVID test, which brings us to bum, bum, one bum. of the biggest games of the week. Yep. Clemson at Notre Dame. It is now Clemson minus five and a half. It opened with Clemson favored by four. I have said that I think DJ Uyunglele is going to look a lot better than he did last week because he's he's had practice with the first team. The timing of the Trevor Lawrence COVID test made it where there was not a lot of prep time full speed for DJ Uyunglele. You're, you're done with all that after Wednesday's practice, and they didn't find out about Trevor until after Wednesday's practice. So you know, you're in shells and, and shorts or, or shoulder pads and shorts on Thursday, you're not getting that kind of work in. And so your timing's probably a little bit, a little bit off. But now that he's had a full week of that, I think that offense runs a little bit smoother. And I also think if this were last year's Notre Dame offense, 
I'd be more worried about Clemson's defense defending him. But Chase Claypool is in Pittsburgh, not losing right now. And this is a, a Notre Dame team designed to dominate on the ground. We've already seen Clemson against a pretty good run-dominant offense in Miami, and they shut them down completely. I think that this is a hammer-Clemson situation. Is that? I think you're right on that. I think I, it's a dis- I, I, I don't think that they're any more or less likely to score points on offense against this defense with, with a backup quarterback in when that backup quarterback is a top-20 national player who is going to be a Heisman finalist in a year or two. So... I th- especially considering the fact that they came out after the game on Saturday, uh, after the BC game, and uh, announced that Trevor Lawrence wasn't playing. The, the kid has had all week to prepare for this game as it's going to be his. Freshman quarterbacks, uh, as we've seen at Clemson, are uh, when they're, they're recruited as specimens like these, these developed, polished players are more ready to play right away. He's shown confidence in his ability. And, like, what do people think? that I know that Clemson's missing some guys on defense, but I think that this is a very rare time to get Clemson under a touchdown. And when you do, uh, even though it's on the road, I think that you take that bet. Yeah, I, I know people would probably like us to, to have this be more complicated than it is because it's, not. it's considered a big game. But I don't think it is either. I think, I think it's the ACC's dream scenario is Notre Dame wins this game and Clemson has a built-in excuse so that they can both then keep winning, play again in the ACC title game, Clemson wins, and, and then you can make the case for them both to make the playoff. But I just think Clemson is that much better. They are. <laughs> I don't know. I think the, the, the constant discussion always with Notre Dame is what is taking it or what's keeping it from taking the next step. And they've made the playoff one year, and you know what happened when they made the playoff. But Notre Dame has 85 players on its roster, two five-star prospects and 44 four stars and clemson has 11 so florida is what you're saying they are florida florida's number seven and in the talent composite rankings and notre dame is eight and clemson has 11 five stars um and that is nine more and i know one of them isn't playing this weekend but at quarterback but position one of, one of them is and either way one of them wasn't going to play so i i i think that notre dame is a, a fine team and I was talking about this with Landis on our podcast, but there are only there's three teams in college football that can win a national championship this year, in my opinion. There are four that hope to, and there's 15 middle tier teams that won't, but like to to pretend like they have a chance with a few more good recruiting classes to do that. But the gap between the top three and the middle 19 is wider than it's ever been in the sport. And Notre Dame is in the middle somewhere in that middle tier, um, and Clemson is in the top tier. And until they recruit more five-star prospects or Brian Kelly gets more involved in the recruitments of five stars and does the stuff that he know he needs to do to sign Notre Dame type classes, this game is going to be simple and maybe Notre Dame will come out and upset them. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I highly doubt it, but to me, I think this is a nice opportunity for people to doubt Clemson because Trevor Lawrence isn't playing and they're going to drop, you know, 34 points on them and, give up 17 and win this game comfortably, in my opinion. Yeah, it, this is this is interesting. And, and we could look completely silly if, if Notre Dame wins this game, but I just I see it playing out in a similar fashion to when they played in the playoff. And in that game, it was when Julian Love got hurt that it really went. And, and the thing is, Notre Dame has a good starting 22. Clemson has a good everything. 
You know, and, and that's the difference with Ohio State, with Alabama, with LSU last year. Like they have a good everything. If they lose somebody, they can replace them with somebody good. And Notre Dame and and there's other other programs are like I think Michigan's probably like this too. You lose a really big difference maker, you may not have that person who can come in and make up the slack. It just doesn't work that way. We'll be right back to the show. We're talking more lines, more games. It is a huge weekend in college football. We'll be right back after these words. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. There's another game that is very similar in profile and as far as the talent composite goes, and that would be the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, Florida and Georgia. This one probably will decide the SEC East. Georgia's banged up on defense. Florida has been outstanding on offense. Florida's defense has not been great, although they look better against Missouri. Georgia is favored by three. The Bulldogs opened as a five-point favorite, and it was bet down. What do you think is going to happen in Jacksonville, Ari? The thing that always happens, at least recently. That Georgia's going to win? Yeah. That just flex from a talent standpoint? I do, but, yes. Okay. Now, what's interesting is you have a former walk-on quarterback against a two-star quarterback. Mm-hmm. The difference is the two-star quarterback, Kyle Trask, plays like a five-star. Mm-hmm. So that, that we all, you and I always talk about the quarterback mm-hmm. being the equalizer. This is the first time Florida's had somebody that can make you think about that. You do a lot of shows, Andy, and I don't remember if you remember this, but we had like a 10-minute segment about these two teams before the season. And oh, I no, ranted. no. I you said I will, I will not pick Florida until I see them beat Georgia because I need to see it happen with Say my own eyes. Say it again, baby. That's it right there. <laughs> <laughs> because, no, listen. I thought it was insane that people picked Florida over Georgia to win that side of the conference because of this, the talent discrepancy. And that's like my number one thing. And people get super annoyed by it. And even in my uh, mailbag or one of the stories I wrote this week, somebody threw it back in my face and said, are you going to rethink about the way that you view college football if Florida beats Georgia this week? You said it was embarrassing that Florida was favored and blah, 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 blah. And like, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I, I don't think that it makes sense to rethink how you view the sport through a talent lens because of one specific upset. But the fact of the matter is, is the only reason why we're even having this discussion right now is because Florida has a capable quarterback and Georgia doesn't. And at the time, in the beginning of the year, we thought it was possible that of the options that Georgia had, that one of them would be pretty good. And right now, right. I'm not sure that we think that any of them are that great. That said, 
I think that Florida is averaging like 12 or 13 points against Georgia in the last three matchups or something. I don't know for sure for as explosive as their offense is that I feel like they're going to go in there and blow Georgia's doors off from an offensive standpoint. And I also think that Georgia can outmuscle them and, uh, you know, well, run and, the ball a little is, bit. That and, is a really interesting one because I, I, I think if you go back to the Florida Texas A&M game, you see the way Texas A&M dominated on the ground in the second half. They were blowing holes open. It helped them to control that game and to get Kellen Mond some clean pockets because Florida then had to be scared of of them running. And Georgia can do that. You know, Georgia can open holes and and run the ball which could get Stetson Bennett a little bit cleaner pocket. And I think that's that's something this could be this could be a situation where Florida's defense makes Georgia's offense look better than what we've seen. And Georgia's defense may get stressed by Florida's offense more than it has, except against maybe Alabama. But they may have enough to overcome it, although they are really, really banged up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so like, what my, what is your take on on who, on what side you would take here? I, I again, I got to see it happen. I got to see Florida do okay. it before I can take Florida. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think if if they're going to get them and the recruiting is going to be like and, and remember, so if we're talking about the talent composite, we're talking about number one, Georgia versus number seven, Florida. Mm-hmm. And I've always said, if you're within 10 or so, you got a shot, especially if you have the better quarterback. So, I mean, this would be the year to get them. I just I got to see it. The talent difference isn't, you know, like when you say um, the number one team is playing the number seven team in college football, like on the field, you have college game day there. There's excitement. People think number seven can beat number one. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like that big of a difference because there's a ton of college teams and seven to one is only six spots. But when you look at the talent discrepancy between these two teams, and I broke this down in a mailbag um, earlier this year, and I think you might have too, but Georgia has 16 five-star prospects. Florida has four. Georgia has 51 four-star prospects. Florida has 44. And not just four-star prospects, the talent um, from a point standpoint, the average uh, recruit is uh, rating, which is gives you the average like quality of those recruits, is 93.15 for Georgia and 89.91. And they're the only team. They have higher four-stars So well. it's not just more four-stars. They've got better four-star prospects. And it's not just, well, the quarterback is going to erase it all. And you know what? Maybe he will. Maybe I mean, it's only a three-point spread. Um, it's a rivalry game. Anything can happen, you know, throw out the records, all that bull crap, whatever. Georgia from top to bottom is a much better football team. And until Florida actually does it, I'm not going to predict, predict them to win the sec, uh, before the season. And I'm not going to predict them to win a game against a team that frankly was beating Alabama in the third quarter and is the only team in the sec right now, outside of LSU last year, who caught lightning in a bottle that has any chance of dethroning Nick Saban like it's just I think that there's still a big gap between those two teams while we're talking about Florida and Gators uh losing Cameron Molina where where am I <laughs> are you a Gator losing I very well might be I think I'm You're done. done I don't want to barf I really don't I'm at 58 <sighs> I guess I can get up to 60 but I just I never went for the sauce I just it, it 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 snowballed on me. It got so heavy so fast. I am humbled. 
Are you are like you Chick Fil A? If somebody would have put a gun to your head before the show, how many do you think you were going to eat? I was sure I was going to finish it. Sure, hundred percent. You have to at least get halfway. <laughs> you got to at least get to sixty. Well, six sixty's halfway, so I'm going to get halfway. Yeah, but. No, I mean, you give me the rest of the day, I could finish it, but that's not what we talked about. Yeah, you know, I said, I said we'd do it in the in the in the course of the podcast, and that's that's where we're at. And you know, I said about forty five minutes. It's been a little right right at about forty five minutes. So I'm going to get to sixty. This one's number sixty, and that's going to be it. And I am sorry to the charities. I am going to. I think you should go to sixty one. Okay. Just to say you got more than halfway. I think that I makes it that. sound better. But I, I I am ashamed. I uh, I mean it's probably a good thing, grand scheme, Ari, that I can't do this. Yeah, because you don't want to do it again for my for my health. Yeah, but I'm, I I feel bad. I I feel like I've let everyone down, and so yeah, I'm gonna kick in some more money for St. Jude. And I, I'm sorry, guys, if you if you pledged a bunch and and thought I was gonna be able to just put on this this amazing showing. Mostly because I told you I would. I am not that good. <laughs> I thought I was better than this. You know, I think you are better than this. I think you didn't prepare the right way, which is the anatomy of a college football upset. And I think you can frame it that way. I think that you walked into it thinking that you were you were going to beat the team that you were playing by a lot. You didn't respect your opponent. I was definitely overconfident, for sure. Yeah, I don't know that you did the right thing in terms of uh, eating um, a huge... Uh, uh, peanut butter before because that expands in your stomach. I, I, uh, I think if you tried it again next week and you respected your opponent a little bit more, you, um, you might be able to do a little bit better. But well, I would certainly respect this opponent. This opponent is formidable. Yeah, and and people on Twitter were like, "That's nothing. He could do it, no problem." And it's just like I've seen somebody do this before, and that person got to like seventy five. That's amazing. Yeah, Doug's he, he can, not Doug a huge can eat. guy. Yeah, I think he got to seventy or seventy-five. He ate a ton, and I think but our I've, podcast I've was two hours, so he had more time than you, if I recall correctly. But I knew that this wasn't going to be like we're on sixty-four nuggets, and I'm not hungry. I'm not full yet. I, I knew the second you got to fifty, it would be a battle from that point on. I, I have eaten seventy-five wings in one sitting before, and I'm just the the breading really changes the math on this stuff. Yeah, like this is that it's. If if there's no breading, if this is just the grilled nugget, you're just popping them right down. It's it's going like candy. But but those are easier I, to they, eat, aren't they? Because they taste better. I'd get no, these si- taste much better. I would get these, sick I mean, of the grilled nuggets so much faster. These taste really good. I, even now, when I am on the verge of vomiting, I can excuse me appreciate <laughs> that how good these taste. They're a fine, fine nugget, but. It just it, it it snowballed on me, and I I feel lots of shame right now, Ari. I know I didn't mean great to do that amounts to you. of shame. And you said I you said I'm soft, and I apologize because of bets. You know what? Forget you, man. I'm uh, after after that shot you took at me. Revel in that shame and that misery. I earned this. I yeah. should, I'm going to wear this. Yeah. Well, we have three more games left if you want to try to eke out a little bit more. Now, we're at the point oh, now where – I know. Well, I think you're at the point now, Andy, where if you get – you are 61 or approximately 61. That was 61 that I just ate. So, Cameron, can you confirm? Was that 61? But if it was 61, okay, it is 61. 
is 67 that much better to, that you're going to put yourself through it? No. Like how much more misery no, are you going to put yourself through? No, because if I can't get to triple digits, it's embarrassing, and I can't. So why why have, why have pain for no reason? You fail if you fail. It well, it must matter. be, once again, quoting quoting Florida former Florida Athletic Director Jeremy Foley, what must be done eventually must be done immediately. And so that's it. <laughs> I uh, Man. You should t- man, I thought I could do this. I think my girlfriend would like oh. to tattoo that quote on her face if she could. With my laundry wife and <laughs> can hear me through the door. She just texted me 61 question mark exclamation point emoji of someone slapping their forehead. Like what an idiot. Your so, wife is ashamed of you. She's ashamed. Yes. Because her thing is, if you're going to do this, you better freaking do it. Yeah, like, she's right. She she's doesn't right. want me doing stuff like this anyway, but it, it's for a good cause. And so if I'm going to do it, do it. And I've I've just blown it. Completely. Yeah. Okay, well, how about we do this? Speaking of blowing it, this is a good segue to the Texas game. Um, Woo! Look at there. <laughs> was that spicy? <laughs> but Oklahoma State blew that game. I mean, no, Texas no, I know. No, I know. Texas is alive. By the way, just so you know, that was the most obvious outcome in the history of the Big 12. Like, I knew that was going to happen. Of course it was. Of co- like, of course that happened. Now, everybody's going to get overexcited and bet Texas again. Give me the points. I'll take the points. Ugh. West Virginia... Uh, catching seven at Texas, give me the give me the seven. Well, and that and team West is Virginia hard is to watch, man. Texas or West Virginia? Texas. Texas. I watched yeah, that whole game last week. It's like it just, there's something wrong with them, and I don't know how to put and, my 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 finger on it. It's like a weird. It's just it's not clicking there. And they won the game, and, and it was a big win. I know Tom Herman needed to get that win. Whatever, it was terrible to watch. And West Virginia plays really good defense, so. Remember, Texas won the turnover battle against Oklahoma State running away. My guess is that's not going to be the case this week. No. And we, we talked about Texas earlier on. If somebody's going to lay a touchdown or if they're going to lay a touchdown to anybody, there's only a few teams in the Big 12 I wouldn't take that touchdown on. West Virginia's not one of them. The over-under is 55. Uh, that's just a, a normal middle-of-the-run over, over-under. I don't yeah, know. Man. I, 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 I think mean, this that, is obvious. It looks like a weird Big 12 over under, honestly. Because don't you expect any, at least in the 60s? But given what West Virginia's been on defense, given what Texas is, unless this game goes to overtime, I don't see it hitting a over. Yeah. No, you're right. I, yeah. Yeah. I think we're on the same page here. Let's let's go back to the SEC though. There's a couple games that, that I'm a little bit intrigued by. Uh, one of them is Texas AM. Favored by seven and a half at South Carolina. Texas A&M is the better team based on what we've seen. Uh, are they seven and a half points better? Probably based on what we've seen. But this is where I wonder we go back to our variability of college football in 2020. Is this the week that the good South Carolina shows up and the not as good Texas A&M shows up? And all of a sudden, all of all of the praise we were heaping upon the Aggies is gone. Give me that Jack Nicholson emoji where he goes like, that face that he made. <laughs> oh, the, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Give me the points. More, 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 more. Give me the points. Give them to me. This, this is, uh, th- honestly, I, I live in Texas now for two, uh, months. And one of my friends that I live, that I've gotten to know here, one of my first friends in Texas is a huge Aggie fan. And I've watched Texas A&M play with him and just like the despair on his face for all four quarters of every game. Um, it's just so funny to me. And like, they I, suffer as a fan. They well, that's do. That's why we had Casey on because yeah. she, 
I think she described the suffering pretty well. I mean, she she is constantly waiting for the piano to fall on her head. Yeah. When it comes to Texas A&M. And when do pianos fall? Uh, at williams Bryce Stadium with Will Muschamp in the room? I know, but in in life in general or in any – just take it out of the Texas A&M context. Pianos fall when things are going well. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> things are going well right now for Texas A&M, and I know that they got their doors blown off by Bama, but that's just a rite of passage of playing in the SEC. And I think the chatter – and I don't know if this is – it's not just your episode. I've heard people talking about Texas A&M on podcasts all the time. And the the general sentence is, this team should or could win the rest of their games, right? Once that shit starts. <laughs> no, yeah, no one seems confident that they actually will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, I don't even think they're going to get to enjoy it for more than a week. I don't know if they're going to win. I don't think they're going to lose. I don't know. I would take the points. And I also think South Carolina is a more competent team than they've been in the past. And I know they've had some really good weeks and they've had some pretty bad ones. That LSU game that they had was pretty torturous to watch because that was my lock of the week and it was a blowout. Um, so, you know, like you said, you don't know which one's going to show up. But you know what, man? You don't know which Texas A&M is going to show up either. And if you have two teams right now um, who we don't know which one's going to show up, then wouldn't you take uh, a score and a hook? Yeah, I, I would think so. I just Because Texas A&M hasn't proven that they can be consistent enough to say, oh, you're going to play up to your potential every single week, and you're going to beat opponents you should beat by the amount you should beat them. Nothing about Texas A&M over the last, oh, I don't know, 70 years has suggested that's that's what you should expect. So I think you're right. Now, let's let's move to one more in the SEC. We've been agreeing, and this is agreeing one of the, way too much today, Andy. I know. Have you it's noticed that? It's kind off-putting. of annoying. This show sucked. I, I feel like, <laughs> well, kidding. it sucked because I screwed up because I, I came in overconfident. You're right. I, my preparation was terrible for this thing. No, this actually was I sneaky cannot... one of our best shows, I think. Well, listen, here, here's the deal. This is, this is a life lesson from Uncle Andy. Respect your opponent, kids. Don't go in thinking you, you've got it easy. Even if you do have it easy, work, practice, respect that opponent because the second you don't, he or, well, the 59 that are left of him will humble you. What do you think I mean, those, was more food? The chompies that you ate or that? What do you think was more food? Because I think you chompies. ate chompies was more food. I just don't know if this has just been, a, it was just an off day for you. I think maybe it was. Or, but remember, chompies was pre diet. I was 280 when we were at chompies. Yeah. Yeah, so your intermittent fasting me, is making you a less, I mean, a, probably a better version of yourself because you look and feel and are better or are more healthy, but also the worst version of yourself because the Andy that I love is the guy who holds a tomahawk up by the bone and eats it off the bone like a Fred Flintstone. You know what I mean? That's I the guy. I feel like I could film. do that. Yeah, I, I mean, I have done that since, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I can't eat as much as I used to. I, I guess I just need to accept that. Maybe, maybe I'm a different person. I, I, I look better in a bathing suit, but I can't do the thing that made me special anymore. So it's it's going to be hard. I think but, you're going to get ridiculed, and I just want to put you on notice, too. When Doug sees us, he's going to come for you. I I'm aware. Okay. Well, he he should. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's beat, he beat me by 14. <laughs> so I, now I could, again, I could keep going, but I, I just don't think, I wouldn't get to triple digits, so it wouldn't matter. So it's Just more pain it, for nothing. There, yeah, exactly. All right, one more game. Tennessee at Arkansas. Tennessee- we have two, two more, Andy. We have two more. 
Oh, um, we do have two more. Not from the SEC, but there's one on Friday night that we have to talk about. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. It was the top of our list and we didn't yeah. talk about it. We kind of jumped so, around a little bit. So let's just finish the SEC first and we'll do the we'll, we'll finish with the best game. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, so Tennessee laying two at Arkansas. This is a potentially very hairy situation for Jeremy Pruitt and the Vols. So Arkansas went to Texas A&M, got beat the way they probably should have gotten beat. They had a backdoor cover, but you know that it was a little bit of a comeback down to earth moment for Arkansas, that which had been playing really well for a few weeks. Tennessee is not Texas A&M. They're not as good. Arkansas can beat Tennessee, but if Arkansas does beat Tennessee, look out. You th- you think the noise is bad now? It's going to be deafening in Knoxville. Are you talking about Tennessee or should we just call them Southern Pit? Oh, that is cold. Um, that is wow. So are people like wow. are people in Tennessee for real? Like I, I need to talk to Ubbin about this, but are people like coming for his head now? Yeah, but they were last year too. And it doesn't make any around, sense. So. Like a month ago, they were like the fastest rising, most improved team in college you, football. You, 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 Tennessee and what Nebraska happened? are very similar in the way their fan bases react to news and, and react to results. And offseason, they they spend the entire offseason, Tennessee and Nebraska, pumping themselves up so that they are ready and, and they're just ready to burst forth when the season starts. And the problem is then you get some bad results in and all of a sudden the air gets let out of that balloon and they can't handle it. And that's I think both fan bases are like that. I think Tennessee's probably a little bit worse because Nebraska, the no, fans Nebra- have kind would, of accepted it. I would say that Nebraska has toned it down completely and has yeah, like they, recalibrated. They've, they've, they've started to come to grips with this. Yeah. Tennessee, they haven't. They feel like they are on the same plane as Georgia and Florida, but the fact of the matter is they haven't been for a long time. And I don't think they're getting back there in the next year or so unless they you know, just – catch lightning in a bottle and get a, an unbelievable Heisman caliber quarterback. And nothing they've done suggests that that's going to happen. Hey, uh, Andy, I wanted to make you feel good. Doug right. just texted me because I texted him just for the context of the show. And I said, Andy ate uh, 61. You ate way more than that. I thought there was no way that you would be outdone by, or that you'd be able to outdo Andy. And he went and looked up his podcast and this was like three or four years ago, so we're both mis- misremembering. He only ate 50. So you oh, outdid well, him. I don't feel as bad. Yeah. I still feel terrible. <laughs> I, I still blew it. And, you know, it is, it is what it is. But we, uh, we've got to just, we've got we've to move on. We've got to put this behind us. It's sort of like Tennessee after the Alabama game. You put it behind you, you, you let it go, and you accept that some days aren't your day. But you're going to attack the next day. You're going to, you know, focus on the opponent in front of you. And look, I bet Tennessee is going to respect Arkansas as an opponent. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not worried about Tennessee coming in overconfident. They they've seen Arkansas play well enough this season that that's not going to be an issue. But I, I just I'm concerned for Tennessee fans' sake because I don't know that their psyches can take this. I'm concerned that Arkansas and Tennessee may just be about equal. Yeah, no, and that's what the spread says. You know, they're laying two on the road, right? Um, oh, Tennessee's giving two on the road. Okay, but you know, you know, two point spreads a two point spread, and you know, I don't know. Arkansas has really ever since you wrote that story about Sam Pittman, it's just like I don't know. It was like you were 
kind of looking into a crystal ball there and, and kind of told the story of what this team was going to be like in terms of personality and the ability to play hard and all the stuff that they've been. And I, ever since then, uh, starting with the under, right? Didn't we, wasn't the big under push-ups bet, uh, Arkansas bet? Yeah, the push-ups bet. I said it was going to be over because I figured Ole Miss is going to score like crazy on them. And, yeah. and they shut Ole Miss down, intercepted Matt Corral six times. Now, th- they looked more, you know, kind of, back down to the level we thought they'd be when they played A&M. But the thing is, A&M was playing really well. That was more A&M playing well than Arkansas playing poorly. Yeah. So I just I, – I'm fascinated by that team because I don't – they've won two games. They probably should have won the Auburn game because there was a weird call there. But if they wind up winning three or four games, that's a, that's a miracle based on what they were last year. So they're already – I feel like even though they've only won two – they're already playing with house money. There is so much more pressure on Tennessee in a game like this. It's so hard for me to – I was on a radio show uh, in Georgia on Thursday morning, and we were talking about Georgia Tech. And the number one thing that I always think is important when we're talking about teams in context is, A, what are reasonable expectations for your program, and B, where are you recruiting, and where does that fit into the framework uh, of that expectation? And – like I feel like Arkansas has out-recruited its expectation of where it should be, and the context of what they are and what they should be is kind of off because of how good their conference is. Because they're a top 25 team in terms of talent, so winning two or three games should not be a success. And I know that things were tough, and they had to move on from a coach as a result of it, and things are well, but this isn't a like cupboard bare, terrible football team. This is a talented football team. And I think what we're seeing here is... Um, a situation where they're playing in a conference and the other teams that they're playing are also really good. And then we've given them this, this runway to only one or two or three games. If that's acceptable. And maybe it is for the first year because Sam Pittman needs some time to really, I mean, if they're catching on this quickly to what he wants, then what are they going to be in two or three years? But to me, I don't think that the, the ceiling of this football team was ever two or three games. It was just kind of tinted in the wrong direction because of how terrible things went last year. And the reason why things or after things went that terribly, they moved on from their coach because it wasn't supposed to be that bad. So how do you frame Arkansas now? Are they a top 30 program or are they the worst team in college football? I think it's probably somewhere in the middle in the 40s or something. And I guess in the SEC, maybe that means you only win two or three games in an SEC-only schedule. That, but to that's me, the much- problem. If you're in the SEC West and you're in the 40s, that means but are you're Are they the in the 40s? The like, where are they in your mind? Uh, I, I'd say that's about right. Like, low 30s, high 40s, the way they've been playing. Low 30, you mean like high 30s, I mean, low 40s? High, high okay, 30s, yeah, low sorry. 40s, yeah, sorry. Yeah, okay. Well, then if you put them in a conference where they have to play uh, Alabama, Georgia, and LSU every week, then, you know, I mean, maybe that makes sense. But to me, you know, a two or three game win season, I think they're more talented than those results. And if they're the 25th most talented team in college football right now, that means they've recruited well enough to be in that position. And I would put them into the into the low 30s before the the high 30s. And if you put them there, then that's a, not a joke of a team. Like I think I just feel no. like we we view Arkansas. And, and it's a this. team that can that can beat the lower end of the SEC West and most yeah. of the SEC East. I think we on a given day we framed them as being like Vanderbilt, and they're not Vanderbilt at all. No, no, they're not. They, they're more like Tennessee. Yeah, which right. and here we are. I mean, yeah, that's that's the crazy part. Which a Tennessee fan is going to go, no way. But you're you're looking at it through the prism of what they were under Chad Morris. Don't do that. Yeah, just consider consider you know go back to when they were competitive with Brett Bielema and you know LSU would go up there and and get 
beat up on and they beat Ole Miss every once in a while. Like, think about it in that respect, not in the this is the team that got destroyed by Western Kentucky and this is the team that, that lost to North Texas, that sort of thing. All right, let us go to tonight because you're absolutely right. We we have not gotten to this game. This was first on our list and we're getting to it last and I'm sorry about that. But BYU at Boise State, the Cougars on the blue turf. This will be BYU's biggest challenge of the year. You know, BYU, Ari, I went back and looked had six power five opponents in its original schedule for 2020 that I would have loved to have seen this team against the schedule. It was originally yeah, play. Yeah. Arizona state, Michigan state, uh, Stanford, you know, it, it just, it would have been so much more fun. Yeah. I, uh, know exactly how you feel because when I was watching BYU, I think they were a, they were a Friday night game against, uh, Troy or Louisiana tech. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what game it was, but they showed a graphic of their original schedule and I got sad, you know, yeah. because I thought, hey, this team actually might have something here. And, you know, it's just kind of a weird spread, right? Because Boise State was laying three at the beginning and now they're getting three. And I always think it's kind of strange to bet games where the favorite changes. It goes back from one to the other. Um, and that's kind of what happened. It's not kind of what happened. It is what happened in this game. But I think any scenario right now where BYU is catching points, it's an automatic take. I mean, they're really good. They're a very physical team. And Andy, remember the first game when they played Navy and they just undressed them on national television and everybody was watching? And everybody thought, oh, well, Navy just wasn't hitting in practice this week and they weren't prepared to play. No, I just think they got their butts kicked because BYU was awesome. I think that like the way we, we viewed that game, the framework in which we viewed that game was wrong. And maybe Navy would have been more physical had they been hitting more in their practices going into that game. And right, Corona but would, they still would have lost. They still by would a have lot. lost by a hundred. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so BYU was originally scheduled to play Utah, Arizona State, Michigan State, Minnesota, Missouri, and Stanford, and they also were going to play Boise State. I think they could beat all those State, teams. Yeah, Boise State's the only one of those left. Boise State's the only team left on the schedule that that can beat BYU. But the problem is, I don't know that that. Boise State is your best win is going to do it for you if you're trying to make the college football playoff. But Boise State also looks like a team, based on what we've seen, that can challenge BYU. I mean, they put it on Air Force. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm excited. I think this might be one of the games of the week. Maybe it is the game of the week. But we have more um, sample size of like what to expect from BYU because we've seen them play more games. I know it's a road game, and oh, Boise State's tough to play uh, to beat on the turf. But you know this spread's still moving. I think it's three and a half now. Uh, BYU is averaging forty-four points a game. They're only allowing thirteen. They're putting up five hundred and fifty yards of total offense every game. They've got one of the most electrifying college football uh, quarterbacks, and I mean, electrifying quarterbacks in college football. Somebody I think that might actually be in the Heisman Trophy c- candidate at the end of the year. Yeah, Zach Wilson is definitely uh, Zach, in that conversation. And Chris Vanini wrote an awesome story about him. I suggest you guys go check that out on The Athletic. I, I'm all in on, on BYU. Well, I, I think it's going to be a really fun game to watch. We've also got Miami-NC State to watch on Friday night. And then at noon on Saturday, the Pac-12 is back with USC and Arizona State. we got Florida-Georgia, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. we got Notre Dame and Clemson. This is going to be a fantastic college football weekend. Ari Wasserman, you feel free to clown me as much as you want. I came in overconfident. I blew it. 
to the charities that I would have helped more had I eaten more nuggets. I am sorry. I'm going to find a way to come up with a better fundraiser and make you some more money because I owe that to you. And to the folks out there, I apologize. I was overconfident and I won't let it happen again. You know what, man? You tried and that's better than most people, you know, so tough, tough. Not but good enough, Ari. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to go lick my wounds, but I'm coming back stronger yeah. than ever. Well, next week, maybe we'll come up with something different for you to try to redeem yourself. All right. Thanks so much for listening. If you're not already subscribed to The Athletic, please do. Theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. Best sports writing in the world. Once you've read it, once you've realized just how deep we go into college football, Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, international soccer, you will be hooked. I promise. And also, please subscribe, rate, review this podcast. We love doing these shows, even when I get a little too full and uh, nearly bust my stomach open. But hey, we're going to keep trying. We'll talk to you later.